Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 367 of the Juicebox podcast. Today's show is with Jen. Jen and I have known each other for a while. She's the mother of a child with type 1 diabetes and the mother of a child with dent disease. She's also someone whose private conversation with me turned into something that I talk about on stage when I'm speaking. I can't tell you the twists and turns that this episode takes. So every time you think, oh, this is what this one's about, it'll change. Please remember as you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Don't forget, if you'd like to share the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes with a friend, you can actually just send them diabetesprotip.com. Nice and easy. Of course, you can always get them to subscribe to the podcast, but diabetesprotip.com will show them those specific episodes. And if you have a great doctor that you'd like to share with someone else, check out juiceboxdocs.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Dexcom, makers of the G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Find out more about the Dexcom G6 at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. And if you'd like to get a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump sent directly to your home, all you have to do is go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. It'll be there as quick as the mail can get it to you. My name is Jen. I live in Utah and <laughs> I have a little boy who is eight and he has type one. And that's why I'm here. Ah, that's not why you're here. You're, <laughs> you're here, Jen, because you are one of the few people who I've communicated with in the past who have a title, right? Uh, you are Utah Jen. That's I it. am Utah Jen. There is also a woman in Pittsburgh. Her name is Pittsburgh. This is how I keep track of people. Um, <laughs> she doesn't even get her full name. She just gets Pittsburgh. Especially um, Jen, because there's so many of them. Well, that ended up being one of the problems is that at some point I was corresponding with enough Jennifers that I was just like, I don't know who you are. And I can't like, I, I'm scrolling back going like, who, who is this? But your story's <laughs> specifically exciting, um, for me to tell you, and you don't even probably know why, but I'm going to start by asking how things are now. For your son, so good, Scott. Okay, tell me about how it how it goes now. Like, what's a, a regular day like? So, regular day is, you know, um, typical. When he wants the food, we I don't sit there and count all the carbs like I used to, and like be freaking out about it. Mm -hmm. I kind of look at the meal and I say, okay, hmm, this looks about you know thirty, forty, whatever, forty, fifty carbs. And I say, okay, let's do it. And so we kind of do it together because I'm trying to help him to get to that point. Right. Um, and we, we've learned the extending, we've learned the, the temp basils, we've learned so much. Um, and he's now able to pretty much, hopefully, if things go well, go throughout his whole day and not really think of diabetes. That's very cool. Which is a huge step from where we first came from, right? Oh, oh we're going to get to I that. Mean, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What's his A1C, can you say? Um, 6.2 right now. Oh, that's lovely. Good for you. Okay, so. Yeah. 
Am I right to say that we found each other, you found me through Facebook? Yes, I did. How did that happen? Um, I was just, well, wait a minute. No. So I was listening to a different uh, diabetes podcast before. Do you still listen to that diabetes podcast? No. Oh, keep going. (laughs) I don't. I can't. It just doesn't, it doesn't click with me. And then I found you and I'm like, hmm, who is this weirdo when I first started listening to you? Appreciate that. Uh-huh. I thought you were, <laughs> I thought you were super quirky and I, and I'm, I, I loved it. Right. And then I just got hooked and then I'm like, you know what? I'm the type of person where I don't, I kind of think we're all together in this, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'm just going to email him. Or I'm going to find them on Facebook is what I, because you kept saying, go to my Facebook page on the web, on the juice box podcast. And so I went to the Facebook page and I think I texted you on Facebook or instant messaged you and said, Hey, this is, this is our deal. I don't know what to do with this. And we were just doing, we were still MDI at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you kind of reached out. I mean, you were so quick at reaching out too. Well, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is great. That's lovely. It's because you were in such a situation that made me feel like, oh, can I really ignore this and let this kid's blood sugar be 400? And I felt like I couldn't do that. So do you know that what comes next, that conversation we had and what we did that afternoon, it was a Saturday afternoon, that Mm -hmm. I speak about that without your details at every live event I do. Do you know that? Do you? Yes. Do you really? <laughs> I use That is awesome. I use that uh, example of what we did together to give people a way to think backwards about things. So like what I mean by that is I think normally people think about, you know, you guys have heard me say like how insulin affects the number, right? Like I give insulin to make the number go down. I think that's the extent of how some people think of of management. Mm-hmm. And I I like people to be able to think about how food can impact insulin, how food can impact the blood sugar, like, you know, the number, like all these different kind of ideas. So I tell them the story of you and I on the phone and I would love to go through it now and get your recollections of it as we go, because I only had my side of it. So I'll start by saying that I recall Jen, which even feels weird. She really is Utah Jen. But I, re- I, re- I recall we were on the phone and my wife and I were dressing to go to, where were we going? Oh, we were taking Arden and her friend to see the Nightmare Before Christmas projected on screen while an orchestra played the background music to the, the incidental music to the movie through the whole movie. So just the movie and the the words would come out of the speakers and they would play all the music live, which is was really kind of cool. But we were getting dressed to go to that, is my point. And I remember my wife being like, hey, you don't have time to talk to somebody right now. And I, and I showed her your son's graph and I was like, are you sure we don't have time for this? And she goes, yeah, all right, go ahead, you call her. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so um, I remember the first thing you tell me was like, I'm like, how did this happen? It was Cheerios, right? Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Honey Nut Cheerios. So your kid's blood sugar was pegged over 400 on his Dexcom graph. Oh, and, yeah. And I basically launched into what I think of as probably the same 30-minute conversation I would give anybody in that situation. Do you remember at all what I said at that point? Uh, <laughs> I kind of – I mean, it's it's it was a little bit of a blur. It scared the crap out of me, honestly. Right. Um, 
So I, I think that you said something like, we're going to do something that is going to be crazy, but we're going to do it and we're going to figure it out. And <laughs> I, said, I said, do you want to do something potentially <laughs> dangerous for your child with a stranger yeah. on the internet? From the right, internet? that we've never met. And do you trust me? And I'm like, well, I trust you, so let's do it. And you're like, well, I can't guarantee anything. <laughs> Here's the tone of Jen's voice in that moment, which was really, I have no <laughs> other choice. Like, right. I'm, I'm clearly so terrible at this that I... I'll, I'll listen to anyone. Like, I think I yeah. actually could have come at you right out of a prison door, you know, wearing a suit from 30 years ago, holding my sharpened spoon in my hand. I've been like, I could help you if you want help. And Jen would have been like, okay, I'll try. You know, she just, she did not have anywhere else to go. Um, and the frustrating thing, Scott, is that I'm a nurse. And so I was like, what the hell am I doing wrong? Like, how can I not understand this? And that was frustrating me even more yeah. because I'm like, this is my degree, right? Like, <laughs> Do you know that of the people I intersect with, n- nurses, I swear, I, I, I think I have enough data now to say this out loud. Nurses as parents of people with type 1 diabetes struggle maybe more than anyone else in the beginning. Totally would make sense. You know why? It's because we look at it and we have to double check insulin in the hospital. It's a, it's a very, very high risk drug. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you're double checking it and you're giving it to somebody that you don't know, and you don't know how they're going to respond to, it's a big deal for a nurse. Right. And so when we're like pumping it into our kids, we're like, Oh, it's this thing that you've been told forever (laughs) is super, super dangerous. And you've, you've, there's actually procedures in place for you to treat it. Like it's very dangerous. And, oh, 100%. And now yeah, all of a sudden have... you're in your house with a little piece of plastic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sitting here injecting a full-on freaking unit into my son. And I, you know, doing that in the hospital, I have to have two nurses double check the exact drying up, the exact, you know, name and whatever of the insulin mm-hmm. and the order. And like, it's a process. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. And at home, it's just <laughs> like, hey, here we go. It's like drinking mm-hmm. lighter fluid, it feels like. Um, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So. Here's my favorite thing. So whatever I end up saying to Jen on that call is me trying to cherry pick probably the most salient couple of details from the pro tip series and jamming them in your head, like ideas that you'll be able to fall back on or that you'll be able to go to the podcast and, and you know, maybe make more clear for yourself. Um, but then what happened at the end, because it was crazy, because at the end I said, are you OK? And she's not like she's clearly not you know and so i'm like i'll keep texting with you or something if you need me to but then i said okay so what are you going to do now like thinking that jen would take some of the information that we spoke about and put it into practice but but jen what you said was well he's hungry so i'm going to give him lunch and I, yeah and i looked and the kid's blood sugar was still 400 and i was like <laughs> And I'm like, no, like, I think you were the first person that I actually just ever said, no, no, that's wrong. You got that wrong. Sorry. Um, That's not what we're doing now. (laughs) So then I said, let's, do you want to do something crazy with a stranger on the phone? And you were like, all right. And I said, okay. And I remember saying to you, how much insulin makes this 400, 100? And Mm -hmm. you started talking about ratios and and I said no no stop that stop I don't care I, I said mm-hmm. obviously your ratios don't work because blood sugar is 400 so right. you know just you guess like ballpark it in your head just guess and I believe you said a unit yeah and then I said okay think of his lunch how much insulin do you think his lunch is going to take and I swear it was fascinating because you started going well he gets one unit purse and I was like whoa like five seconds yeah. ago I just said right. no to this and it was just interesting to see 
And so you guessed it a unit and a half. Mm-hmm. And I said, give him two and a half units. And I will never forget. You said, and then he'll eat. And I was like, oh, no, no. Then we're going to wait. And <laughs> that 45 minutes. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to die of a stroke or an aneurysm a number Same. of different times. <laughs> Same. I was walking around my house going, oh, f- <laughs> oh, shit, I'm sorry. I can't swear. Oh, keep cursing. <laughs> we'll turn it into a pro tip you or into a after dark if we have to. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the, my recollection of it is, is that it took quite a time for him to even diagonal down out of that high number. And then he, he was drifting for a while at a diagonal down number. And the way I tell it on stage is I'm like, you know, so she gave her the two and a half, gave him the two and a half units. And it took a while. And I felt like about 45 minutes later, we yeah. were, we were in a free fall, like in the 200s, yes. right? Yes. Like double down. Yes. Yeah. Like Cruising. really, really, really falling. And yeah. I said, and you, I, I remember saying, hey, it's okay to make the lunch now. And the funniest thing that's ever been said to me on the phone is you said, <laughs> oh, I made that lunch a half an hour ago. <laughs> It's sitting on the counter. <laughs> and it's sitting on the counter. And I was like, wow, Jen, you really remember this conversation. That's great. Uh, <laughs> oh, how could I forget, Scott? Are you kidding? <laughs> so so anyway, uh, poor, the kids, you know, he's eating. And now I'm saying things to Jen that I'm sure don't make sense. Like, hey, watch the CGM. You're going to see how the food is impacting the insulin and how it's going to start, you know, leveling out and coming down and it'll slow. Well, <clears throat> I want to say... Around 115, two arrows down, I thought, huh, I should have let him eat a little sooner. And I was like, but to me, that was no big deal. And I didn't want to make it feel like a big deal to you. So I said, hey, Jen, could you do me a favor and give him a little bit of juice? And you spoke words after that <laughs> that I laugh out loud when I say. I, it's the biggest laugh in my talk. Do you remember what you said? I said, I don't have any juice. We don't keep juice in the house. Yeah, we don't have <laughs> And there's a pause on my end, and I must have made a face because my wife goes, what's wrong? She mouths, what's wrong to me? And I cover the phone, and I look at her, and I go, I just killed a kid in Utah. (laughs) And she's like, what? I'm like, oh, hold on. And so I put the phone back up to to my ear, and I said, okay, Jen, well, what we're looking. And you started saying, we treat Lowe's with Skittles. Like Skittles or jelly beans or some something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like And then I, I said then I said it, but I do have a little bit of lemonade. And I remember saying, Jen, let's not quibble <laughs> over what juice is, please. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> juice. No, there's no juice here. All we have is lemonade with sugar in it. Mm, damn, I guess he's gonna die. And so, so I and so then you were like, How much? And I, I remember saying, I don't care, just give him a little bit. Like, yeah. I just want to take the speed out of this arrow a little because I had real comfort that the food was in, that the food was going to impact them. Listen, I don't know how good your guess was of a unit and a unit and a half, right? Like, I'm just based on his weight and what he was doing and what you were planning on feeding him. I thought that seems reasonable. Right. It was and, like a peanut butter and jelly, I think, is what he was having with like some berries or something. Gotcha. And so, so good. and so the juice did it. The juice, for, since Jen's cursing all over the place, the juice took the a- out of the arrows, right? And it started yeah. to slow down. And I don't remember the timing anymore, but we started catching a diagonal down arrow. And then eventually, and I think I'm going to be exactly right about this number, his blood sugar leveled off at 77. Yep. Right? It was like, yep. Okay. And then the first thing you said to me was, I, should I give him some Skittles? And I was like, 
Jen, it just took me an hour and a, yes. a work of magic over a telephone to get this kid's blood sugar from 400 to 77 with his meal in him. Please do not do that. Just be okay. And I remember you feeling nervous. You were really nervous still. Mm-hmm. Why? What about that number made you nervous? I think I was freshly out of diagnosis. I'm, if I'm remembering right, I think that was in the winter because my husband was at work as a ski coach. And at that time, I think we were probably only like four months out, mm-hmm. um, four, four or five. And I was scared of that number. Yeah. And I don't now, now I do, I look at it and I'm like, oh, he's beautiful at 75 level. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, perfect. That's where I probably am right now too. But when I look at like my mom, she is very nervous at him being 80. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just that, oh my gosh, is it going to turn? And is it going to just drop when yeah. now that I know that the food is like, like you explained that tug of war, um, the food and the insulin are tug of warring so well that it's just going to stay that way. Like it's not, it's not going to drop at 75 if he's level. <laughs> yeah. And so once I learned that, but that, that was the key. I remember my husband came home that day and I'm like, Oh my God. Let me tell you about what happened today. I called a stranger on the phone and let him give my son insulin. (laughs) You should leave me and take these children. (laughs) Right. But he respects you so much. And he's like, holy shit. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) You know, and we, and, and ever since then, I talk about being bold with insulin. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, right? Like this, that's like catchphrase right there because now I'm like, okay, well, you know what? I know what to do. Good. And and now when I dose him, I'm not afraid. And I usually go much higher than I think. And we keep him beauty, like nice beauty lines. And um, of course, I'd like his A1C to be lower than it is right now. But I'm, I, I think you remember I have other things going on in my house in my home too with my other little boy. Right. And it's like my whole day is keeping my boys alive and happy mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much. And so it's like, but we're, but we're moving in that direction. Good. And well, you're doing terrific. And and we can get to the rest in a second, but I want to jump back for a second to he's 77 and you were uncomfortable. I could tell in your voice, you were very uncomfortable. I was uh-huh. not following his CGM or anything like that. And I was about to embark on a 45 or, or one hour um, drive to this place where we were going. Right. So I gave you my number, like my cell number, and I was like, it's going to be fine. Don't do anything. And, you know, I hung up the phone. It wasn't, we were not even to where we were going yet. It was a half an hour, maybe 40 minutes later, and you texted or called. I think you might have called because I think my wife picked the phone up. And you're like, he's 220 diagonal up. And I'm, and, and so my brain, like before I answer, my brain runs through this litany of ideas about diabetes, these things that I understand. And I think that's not possible. Like that's just not possible. And I'm like, what happened? Do you remember what you said? No. You said, I gave him some Skittles. (laughs) I was like, Oh Oh my God. I remember now. (laughs) And so I was like, well, listen, I'm about to go into this thing. I can't help you with this again. And then what happens next is sort of interesting because between then and now, I had to roundabout guess. I'd say that we've spoken four times and texted a ton, 
in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. You resisted this information more than any person I've met so far in the beginning. And I'm wondering if you're aware of that. And if so, do you know why? That I know. I don't ju- think so. You don't feel resistant? Did you just struggle with it more? Like, like why? Like every time you got a hold of me, I was like, oh, it's almost like we didn't talk last time. Um, but yeah. were you just struggling to put it into place? Because you're in place now. That's why I asked you where you are now so that we can kind of work backwards to it. Right. What was your process from that day to where you are now? Like, what did you figure out on your own that helped? Boy, the only thing I can think about, honestly, is going back and thinking about the last two years of my life mm-hmm. have been a complete blur. and. To the point where I have been, I was in a car accident in March and um, it kind of threw me over the edge. And I've been told by my doctor that I've been living in this um, fight or flight response mode for the last two, three years of my boy's life. And yeah, from, from what we've been dealing with. And now I'm able to look back upon it because I've been off work since March and I've been able to really focus on my mental health and my anxiety and mindfulness and, you know, changing everything in my life. And I'm actually able to look back on the two or three years and go, holy I don't remember half of it because I've been living in this literal high stress, trying to survive every day you know, working full-time as a nurse, as a high, in a high stress job, taking care of my little boy, trying to figure out this diabetic stuff and then dealing with my other little one too, and trying to keep a marriage alive. And you know what I mean? And so makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now I look back on it, Scott, and I, I couldn't freaking figure it out either. I'm like, why the hell am I not getting this? I am not stupid. Because every time you got a hold of me, I would feel like, did someone like shake what I said out of her head. Yeah. Like, like I couldn't, Yes, there was a time I was sitting outside of a a store. I I forget what I was doing. And I was talking to you on the phone from my car. And I just thought like, I I started thinking, how long have Jen and I been doing this? Like, 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 like how, how did she just ask me that question? I can't like, it it was fascinating. Tell me about uh, just for a second, your other child has a different medical issue. Which, what is that? Yeah. So I'll give you like a down and dirty on it. So, um, so my little boy who was three and a half, um, at the time, my older one, Foss was not diagnosed at this time. Um, so this was back in, I don't know, three and a half years ago. See, it's a blur. Like, Mm. honestly, it's all a blur to me. Um, he started peeing and drinking a lot and like regressing on his potty training. And I'm like, what the hell does he have type one diabetes as a nurse? That's the first thing that came to my mind. Interesting. I couldn't keep water in his mouth. I couldn't keep a dry trainer on him, you know, or he was just peeing like crazy. And I'm like, I'm going to take him into the doctor. I'm like, can you guys just check his blood sugar? And they did. And it was normal. And so they did a urinalysis and he had really, there was no glucose, but he had really, really high protein in his urine. And the, the pediatrician's like, this isn't normal um, at all. So I'm going to refer you down to nephrology down at primary children's and go down there and see what they have to say. And she's like, it's probably nothing, you know? So we go down there, we talk to him, we get this of a doctor. Um, probably shouldn't say that. 
I probably shouldn't say that. Too late. We have, a, <laughs> we have a great doctor now. So let me just preface it or follow with that. Yeah. Um, and he, um, you know, he kind of goes and says this and this, and this could be wrong. This and this, I think we need to do a kidney biopsy. And, you know, that was after a couple appointments and blood work and whatever. And so we ended up doing this kidney biopsy, found out that he has this really rare genetic kidney disorder called dent disease. Okay. Um, very rare. And it's also rare because it's not, you don't really have symptoms of it. I think honestly, the only reason why I picked it up is because I'm a nurse. Most kids would be like, ah, or most parents, I think would just let it, they would just let it fly, which is what a lot do. So anyway, come to find out I'm the carrier of it. I got it from my father who is in chronic kidney disease. And then we, I've been able to trace it all the way back. Um, so it's a X-linked recessive kidney disorder, uh, which means that it only affects boys. And I, of course, had an older son. <clears throat> and so it affects women as carriers, but it only affects the boys with the disease. So I had a 50-50 chance of giving it to FOSS as well. And so I'm like, okay, well, we got to get the genetic test for FOSS. And so we did got his blood drawn, sent it off. And, um, we were waiting on the results and they were taking forever. And in the meantime, Foss started peeing and drinking a ton. Mm. Right. And I'm going, well, he has dent disease guaranteed. I know it. And it kept getting worse. He started sleepwalking at night. He would lose weight. He had bags under his eyes. I would clean up pee around the toilet because I have two boys. They're disgusting. Right. (laughs) Lovely, disgusting, but disgusting. (laughs) I would clean up pee around the toilet and it would be like syrup. And it never occurred to me once that it could be type one. Not once because I was skewed by this dent disease. Yeah. Even though Luke's pee was never sticky, right? Mm -hmm. But still. Then finally, I'm like, oh my God, can I just get the results so I can treat this boy? You know, there's really not a treatment, but still. Um, And... I got the results and they were negative. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. I don't believe it. And like a week later, I took him to his karate class. Well, no, a couple of days before that, he was up at my mom's house who lives way up in the mountains. Like you have to snowmobile up to her house in the winter. She was up, he was up there and he started like having this massive abdominal pain and he was vomiting and he was just like, grandma, I can't drink enough, but he was vomiting and sick. And my mom called me. She's like, you need to come pick him up. And I'm like, oh my God, like, is he passing a kidney stone? Because that is a symptom with dent disease is they form calcium in their kidneys. And um, I'm like, he had, I know he has dent disease and he's probably passing a kidney stone. And so I go up there, I grab him, bring him home, give him a bunch of water, put him on the couch and he starts to feel better. And I'm like, he just passed a kidney stone. Like in my mind, knew it. Next day, take him to karate. He's at karate and he's like, mom comes up to me crying. And he just looks like shit. Mm-hmm. seriously. He's like, mom, I do not feel good. And I'm like, okay, let's go. And I just had this feeling in me. I called the pediatrician. It was like five o'clock. They're like, we're closing. I'm like, I'm bringing him in right now and drive over there. And I'm like, can you just test his urine? I know you're going to find protein in it. I know it still thinking Scott, yeah, that it was dent. This. Yeah. And So they test his urine and it comes back and she pulls me out of the room. She's like, Jen, can I talk to you? Pulls me out of the room, takes me in the room next to the, where the kids were. And she looks at me and she gave me this look and she put her hands on my shoulders. 
And um, I said, oh, I'm like, I, lo- I just kind of put my head back and I'm like, well, I guess it's a 50-50 chance, right? And still thinking it was dent disease. And she looked at me and she said, sweetie, she's like, it's type 1 diabetes. And I just looked at her and I remember like almost blacking out, like, no, like it makes me emotional thinking about it now sure. because I remember it so well going, there's no way that this can be happening right now. There's no way. And I literally dropped to the floor and she consoled me for a minute and I pulled myself together. I said, okay, what do we have to do? And she's like, you need to get your kids together. They tested his blood sugar. It was 800. Mm. Um, and you need to go to the hospital. And so I tried to call my husband. He was like on the way to the dump or something to like dump a bunch of crap or whatever. And it kept cutting out. And I'm like, Scotty, Foss has type one diabetes. And he's like, what? You're cutting out. I'm throwing away a refrigerator. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, and I called him back and it kept cutting out and cutting out and cutting out. And I'm like, oh my God. Finally, like I got, I told him and he's like, oh my God, like it rocked us. Right. And so we met at the house and went down to the, the doctors or the hospital and the rest is that. Mm. But I just, the way that it presented and skewed me was insane. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to come on and talk about that also is because I listened to that podcast that you had with the woman who had lost her son. Mm-hmm. And that was a tearjerker. Yeah. And I said to myself, I'm like, you know, I think that people need to hear that because it's hard and it's so like it, it diabetes alone is so hard with your kid and you add other things and it just is so much, you know, I have to, my little boy has to drink 90 to a hundred ounces of water a day and he's six. Mm-hmm. And that, that alone right there dictates his kidney function. So if he gets dehydrated, it could put him into kidney failure. Um, and so keeping him hydrated and keeping my other boy alive with insulin and, you know, it, it's everything. And I want, I really wanted people to know that it's okay to feel overwhelmed. And then I listened to your other podcast with um, the couple that you had on there who spoke about how it's really not talked about how, how couples feel. And those two episodes to me just stuck with me so much. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm like, you know, I really want people to know about this just, just because uh, it's just, it's unexpected and life throws things at you so hard, you know? Yeah. No, I, I was thinking as we're um, busy researching what might be a third autoimmune thing for Arden. Um, and we're trying to figure out why she has incredible tension in her shoulders um, and her joints sometimes her neck and can be your ankle oh, really? once in a while on her knees. And you're trying to figure out what all that is. And for a long time, we thought maybe it was just their thyroid medication was off. She had low iron. Uh, we thought maybe it was that. Um, and we're, we're, you know, it takes a while to find a physician that can even be helpful who doesn't just mm-hmm. read, you know, um, lab results and tell you, no, that's fine. This is okay. Sorry. And write you, you know, off. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we're picking our way through it. And I don't know what's going to come of it. If it's going to just, you know, I have no idea. 
Uh, and it very well could end up that she'll have a third autoimmune thing and it, it may end up that she doesn't. And maybe we figure out something with diet or I have no idea. Right. Like I just right. don't know where we're at yet. And it made me wonder if I was going to tell my kids that you have to really consider this before you have children because of the impact it has on your life. And yeah. It, it's really substantial. It changes, yeah. it changes the course of, um, I almost said possibility. And I, I, I mean, you can fight through it and still do things, but it's just always there. It's, it's, yeah. it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's like some sort of like torture, uh, uh, just a buzzing in your ear or a light that no one will shut off. You know, just, it just, it just doesn't leave you alone ever. Ever. And, yeah. Yeah. And you, and it's as much of an impact as it has on you and as hard as it is on uh, relationships. Um, it's even, it's harder to look at your kids and think is something else going to go wrong. Like, is like, like forget, is this going to go bad? Like, is something else going to happen? Like I think all the right. time, like Arden was two when she got diabetes and she was, I don't know, maybe 13 when we figured out the hypothyroid thing, you know, life seems like it's piling up on her quicker than it does yeah. on some people. And, you know, is that going to be like, what is that going to mean for her? You know? And I don't know. It's just, it's hard. And I'm, I, I I wish I don't know what I would have done differently, but I do wonder if somebody could have come to me in my twenties with all certainty and said, "Look, you met a girl, you love her, you're married, the two of you are going to make a baby together that has type one diabetes and this other issue, and maybe a third if I wouldn't have just said like, "Maybe we should just make some money and travel and you know, yeah, just not put someone it's else crazy. through this It's it, crazy it, to yeah. think about that, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's terrible, and I'm not wishing my kids away. I'm just saying it's if you really think about it, it's it's there and it's a lot to think about. Today's show is sponsored by Omnipod and Dexcom, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about both of them right now. The Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor is absolutely the greatest tool that I have ever seen for making decisions about insulin and food and diabetes in general. Why is that? Well, because with the Dexcom G6, you can see the speed and direction that blood sugar is moving, not just the blood sugar, which is helpful like to know, hey, my blood sugar is 95, it's 130, it's 310, whatever it is. But what if it was 130 and moving up and not just moving up, but moving up at one or two points per minute or three points per minute? If you knew that just with these little directional arrows that give you that information at a glance. In case that's not enough, the person wearing the Dexcom can share their information with up to 10 followers. So your child could be at school while you're listening, you know, at home to a podcast. And all of a sudden your phone just might go beep, beep. And you think, oh, I know what those two beeps mean. My child's blood sugar has moved above the threshold that I set for it to alarm me at. So maybe you want to be alarmed at 140. I like being alarmed at 120. That's when I like to know my daughter's blood sugar is moving up. You want to know when you're going down? You can set an alarm for that as well. Hmm? Is this making sense to you? Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Get in there. Find out more. Do the reading. Figure out if it's something you want. And if it is, get going. I'm going to tell you right now, you will not look back. This will be one of the best decisions that you've ever made. 
Another terrific decision that we made here was getting Arden the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. This is something we did many years ago when Arden was four years old. And as you know, she just turned 16. Arden's been wearing the Omnipod for 12 years, every day, and it never fails to do exactly what we hope and what we need. There's the little things, right? Temp basal increases and decreases, extended boluses, pumps do that, but the Omnipod does it without tubing. You are not attached to anything when you wear an Omnipod. No controller, no tubing, no muss, no fuss. It's this little device. You put it on, you wear it, you can hide it or wear it out loud and proud. Doesn't matter. This thing is terrific. You should be able to experience it for yourself before you decide to make the pl- to take the plunge. You can. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box. Go there, fill out the tiniest bit of information. Omnipod would be thrilled and they will expediously, that is not a word, but quickly is what I meant, send you an Omnipod demo to try on. They call it a pod experience kit. It's very exciting. It comes in the mail. You pick a spot where you want to put it, you put it on, and then you go about your life. You work, you play, you bathe, you sleep, you see what it's like to wear an Omnipod. And if you decide this is for you, Omnipod is the way I want to go, you move forward with the process. And if you don't, Omnipod does not bug you about it. They don't like, they're not like knocking on the door like, hey, we sent you a demo pod. What do you want? You want to take a demo pod? You want some more? They don't do that. They just go, hey, you didn't like it? Whatever. Cool. That's why it's worth trying. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box. No obligation means give it a whirl. See what you think. I mean, the demo's free. You have nothing to lose. There are links in your show notes to all the advertisers and at juiceboxpodcast.com. If you can't remember the ones I've just given to you. It's a lot to think about. It is. It's a lot. And especially... I've, and this also will kind of play into where I've been the last few years is with my mindset and like everything was kind of, it's been this, this full on blur, um, because I am the carrier of it. Right. So I'm the one that gave it to him and I also have hypothyroidism. So I have an autoimmune disease. So here I am thinking, and the doctor's like, well, you could have, it could be your problem for the type one, blah, 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 you know? And it's like, oh, gee. Great. <laughs> it's a Thanks. weird thing to have to say. Like, why does it matter where it came from? It came, right, from, it came from right. randomness is where it came from. Yeah. It, and so, so yeah, you sit there and you beat yourself up about it. Well, if it, if it wasn't for my genetics, I wouldn't have given that to my boys, you know, or boy, whatever, you know, hmm. and it really messes with your mind, especially when you're trying to figure it all out and still live a normal life and keep them normal and, and, and grow and help them to be raised feeling they're normal. And that's a big deal for me is I'm not letting type one affect my little boy to the point I'm trying to not let it affect him to where he feels that he can't have something or, you know, he can't go to a birthday party or whatever, you know, it's like, and you still get those comments from people at school or, um, you know, neighbors or whoever, whatever that say, uh, well, he can't have this cupcake or he can't have this. And it's like, no, he really can. He can eat the entire cake (laughs) as long as I figure out what to dose him with and it's okay. 
and I'm not afraid of it anymore. Like literally I could set a birthday cake in front of him and dose him. And, and Scott, by the way, with the honey nut Cheerios, I have it dialed. He ate a big old thing of fruit loops the other day, dialed it. It didn't go above one twenty. Wow. Beauty. I I feel pride (laughs) for that. Uh, I'm glad you understand how to use insulin. That's really cool. Um, Yeah. And you can use it with anything. And I think it's because my mind is more clear and everything has become so much more calm and clear in my life. And it's, it's helping my kids too, you Mm. know? And so that accident that I had in March was actually a really good thing. The concussion that I had and all that stuff was a good thing because it took me out of my fight or flight mode that I was living in for so long and made me realize, Hey, you can't, you literally can't live like this anymore. It's going to kill you if you do. Right. Now, I and so it, that. it helps to hear you say this to me because it really does, because it helps to justify what I was feeling those two years. Oh, I'm glad. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm really glad. I, like I said, you, you said it earlier, just, you were a reasonable person and you're intelligent and you understood. And then we'd get back together. And it was almost like you were calling to say like, can you explain this all to me again? Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I, I was like, huh, this doesn't make any sense. And now with context, it, I mean, I guess it makes perfect sense, honestly. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I get it now. And I do want to say that I'm changing, um, changing paths in my nursing and I'm going to get my CDE. And I'm going to be working for a, um, a small nonprofit clinic here in town to help people with diabetes, all sorts, and working with this amazing internal medicine doctor to build this beautiful diabetes program. And so I'm like jumping in full bore with my clear mind and a whole new outlook on it. And I'm so excited. That's lovely. It really is. We all have to find a way to help each other because- I mean, the listen, I feel like I can hold myself together as long as the things that happen to my children are manageable. Like, I don't expect the perfect life. Um, I don't get mad at people who have lives where they don't run into medical issues, right? That, yeah. that's, that's not my thing. I just realized that somewhere beyond manageable, if something happened that was irreparable, just life-changing, you know, couldn't leave a room, couldn't do a thing, couldn't function that I, I don't, I honestly don't know if I wouldn't be exactly in the shoes you were describing, if I wouldn't just zone out and think, yeah, all right, let's just, just keep everybody alive until, you know, until this is over. Uh, well, it it rocked me pretty hard when I got the the call from the doctor telling me that they thought it was dent disease. I remember I was in my kitchen and my husband wasn't home yet. The kids were out back playing and he goes, this is what I think it is. And I'm like, okay, well, what the hell is that? Yeah. And he's like, well, it's, you know, it's all dependent on, it can, it can cause kidney failure between anywhere between the third to fifth de- decade of life. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, he could possibly need a kidney transplant. And I just sat there and I'm looking at my three-year-old playing in the backyard on the swings. And I'm like, like you could imagine. <laughs> no, I can. Yeah, I really oh, can. And I, uh, my husband came home. I told him in the kitchen. And he he just started crying. And when you see a grown man just full-on start bawling because of his little boy, it's, it's traumatic. Yeah. And it was rough. 
and so I, I do, I want, I want people to, I want, I want it to be heard that that is definite PTSD. Like it's, it changes your whole entire life, the whole thing. And, and then to have, you know, let's see so far he was, yeah. So less than a year later, Foss was diagnosed with type one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While you're still fresh in this other thing. And I'm looking here just for context for people, dense disease is a rare genetic kidney disorder characterized by spillage of small proteins in the urine, increased levels of calcium in the urine, kidney calcifications, recurrent episodes of kidney stones, and chronic kidney disease. Dense disease affects males almost exclusively. That's your that that's a good clear understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. And it can be so various. Um you know, from person to person in a family, uh, somebody can have like my little sister who is my dad's daughter. My parents are divorced, but she is my dad's daughter. Um, she is a carrier of dense disease too. And so, and then what do you know? She has two little boys and her oldest who's three was diagnosed with dense disease as well. And then her youngest one and a half has not been tested yet. So, um, but difference, you know, like Luke's kidney function is, down. I mean, he's in stage two chronic kidney f- disease. Um, her little boy has fine kidney function. And so it all totally depends. You don't know how it's going to affect you. My dad's 60 and he has, I think what, 18% kidney function right now. Mm-hmm. He needs, he needs to be on the transplant list. I think he's going to be there soon. Um, but he's 60, you know, and he never knew he had this until two years ago. Right. Yeah. And so is your son like, is his progression quicker? Um, I don't, I don't know. The doctor that we first saw, he put him on some pretty strong medications in the beginning, I think, which put him into like an acute kidney injury and, uh, kind of took down his function for a while. We took him off those meds. I went, I flew out to the Mayo Clinic to see, uh, a real specialist on this. Cause there's very few, mm-hmm. I think that they're probably the only ones. And he says, no, these are way too strong for him. He's too little. And they took him off of him and his function came back a little bit and they can't, they won't tell me, you know, that if that is what kind of took it down. Um, but they said that, I mean, he's been staying nice and level for the last year. And so I'll take that, yeah. you know, we, we pump him full of water all the time and he's a great trooper with it. Um, how, how frequently does he have to give blood for testing to track function? Every three months. Yeah. Yeah. Arden's been given a lot of blood lately to try to figure out her other issue. And, you know, it starts off, it just, it feels like a drudgery. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what's worse. It stops being a drudgery and you get accustomed to it. I'm not sure if it's worse to struggle I know. or if it's worse to just be okay with it. I, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but. Um, oh, it totally does. And yeah. then add the fact in that that I'm a nurse. And so I can pull up his records right, right, right when they come up mm-hmm. and I look at the numbers and I know them. So, cause I look at them all the time for my job. And so being able to look at the numbers and go, crap, why is this higher and this lower? What can I do? You know? And it's that, that nursing brain takes over and everybody's like, Oh, it's a good thing. You're a nurse. Good thing you have these kids. And really it's <laughs> like, man, I almost wish I didn't know. Yeah. And I got to say, it's a weird statement to say that because you decided to go into nursing, it's good that you got a child with dense and type 1 diabetes. Right? <laughs> an odd sentiment to make <sighs> to somebody. 
It's like, I thank God, thank God you're a mechanic. Your car breaks all the time. It's right. Just, yeah. yeah. Gee, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't, if we were wishing for things, couldn't we just wish for them not to have dents and type one diabetes instead of this? This is a, an odd wish to have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, now, I get people's if, intent, but it's odd. You know. Yeah. Like if my little boy was to go and have kids, the one with dent, he would, if he had boys, um, it would be gone and it wouldn't be passed down the family. But if he had girls, they would be, they would have a 50, 50 chance of becoming a carrier or no, they would be a hundred percent carrier. So it all depends on what Luke has for kids. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I have to say, I have to follow it with this being the determined mom that I am. And the one that's not going to let just anything just be like, okay, here it is. Um, when I was told that he had it, I sat there and I'm like, okay, medicine has come so far. And I know that we're not to where I'm just going to be like, okay, he has this rare disease. That's it. I searched and searched and searched and I found, um, a top notch medical center back East and I've met with them and we are funding, um, a research project with them to, to try to find a way to genetically modify the, um, chromosomes of the, of the kidney or of the DNA Okay. where dent disease is. And so there's a specific, um, spot on the DNA where it's affected. And there's this thing called CRISPR and it's a genetic editing tool. Like think of it as little, I've heard of um, it. yeah, it's yeah. pretty amazing. So we have a different, we have two different ways that they're, that they're researching it, but CRISPR is one of them. And, um, we funded it and we're in the, we're beginning the third year of it. They've created a colony of mice that have dent disease and they are now going in and testing the DNA to see if they can extract that defective part and replace it with a non-defective part and reverse the disease. Wow. Genetic engineering. That is very cool. It's pretty amazing. So I have to say that, you know, by the time it's, it's a problem for him. Hopefully later in life, we're going to have a cure for it. And I'm pretty proud to say that, you know, I You're have helping move it along. Yeah. 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 That's very cool. I, I don't, I, I can't imagine how just comforting that feels to be able to do something towards a possibility. hundred um, percent. Yeah. yeah. There, I just wasn't okay with just letting sitting there and letting it go. Cause there's no research on it because it's so rare. Type one diabetes has a ton of research, obviously. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but this there's none because the NIH doesn't want it. They don't want to have anything to do with it because it's so rare. So the only way that these rare diseases ever get figured out is by families. And luckily my father-in-law and my mother-in-law were, kind enough to help us with this and to put the money into the research it. And I pray to God that every day that it, that it works out. And I have these amazing doctors that are world renowned working on it with us. And I just feel so, I just, that's, that's my hope, you know? Yeah. So it gives me that I, whenever I get scared and nervous, I, I just think of that and go, okay, you know, I have, I have an amazing team working on this every day for us right now, literally for my boy. That's excellent. Good for you. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It really is. I mean, when you stop and think about these these little ideas, like I mean, right now, like I'm saying, Arden's got you know constant tension, like muscle tension, right? And it stopped her from playing softball. 
Uh, it's really? not, you know, she tried to, she was trying to paint her room last night and she couldn't hold her hands up over her head. She's like, my hands are getting numb. Um, you know, like, so the, it's it, severe it, it, and it, and it, yeah, and it can definitely be, and you're trying to figure out everything and, um, and, and you stop and think about what it really is, is that there's just something it's autoimmune, right? If it is, and that something in your body is just telling something, I don't know the details of it, right? But something's telling something, hey, make this stronger instead of weaker. Make this weaker mm-hmm. instead of stronger. You know, uh, inflame here instead of there. Or, right. you know, and it's just, it's the oddest thing. It's just, it's a, if it was a computer, you would just, you know, you would just tell it, no, stop doing that. And that would be the end of it. And that is really what you're talking about with CRISPR is, is going into a gene and saying, hey, look, this thing here, we're going to remove this and put something in that 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 works better. And, and then your body will just proliferate it and just, you know, be like, okay, I see that this is the way that it is now. Yep. It's pretty amazing. Um, Very cool. I, yeah. I feel pretty, pretty fortunate that we have it going. I feel yeah. that I'm actually trying to do something about it. No, you know? no, I agree with you. I really do. And um, it's, you know, to go back a little bit, there are times when Arden like jokes about, I'm going to, she'll say like, I'm not going to have kids. I'm going to adopt. And mm-hmm. I do wonder sometimes if she doesn't really mean that, if she doesn't mean like, I don't want to give somebody else diabetes. Like, like I, I, I don't know if I've never really asked her. She's too young to, I think, dig into it too much. Right. Because if she's not thinking that, I don't want her to. Right. Start thinking, oh, yeah. Put it know. in her brain. Right. What are the chances? Do you know? I mean, in the end, they're not that much greater. I think the number's like 10% or something like that. But I think I don't even think that's how she's thinking about it. I think she's thinking about it of like, okay, so say I have a kid and it doesn't have type one diabetes and he has a kid and it doesn't have type one diabetes, but three generations later, mm-hmm. someone does again. And could I have put a stop to that? Like, like, I think that's what she's thinking about. Like, could I be the one who doesn't let it happen here? And I don't know if that's really well thought out as she's a pretty young person um, mm-hmm. or if she even, or if I'm misunderstanding her, um, but I don't know if she did it. I don't, I think I would think of it as uh kind of selfless, you know? Um, yeah. And so I, I don't know. I really have no idea what's going to end up happening, but I, I can tell you that I've spoken to people who um, just very recently, a woman who told me like, I am, I'm not having kids because my life experience, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put it on somebody else. And, wow. you know, so I was like, okay, geez, that's amazing. That's you know, I, I look at it as it's a hurdle and it sucks ass yeah. <laughs> bad, yeah, really. but I also am trying to teach them that everybody in this world has something either. If we don't have it right now, we're going to have it and it could be bad. It could be a nuisance and it could just be like, you know, whatever, but somebody is always going to have something. And I'm, and I've really been trying to teach them to, to not just look at the, at the person, but, you know, deep down, you know, the kid next to you in class could have, could have a G tube and have to have tube feedings and you don't know about it. You know, the kid next to you could have had a open heart surgery or a heart transplant. You know, I mean, there's so many things that kids have and deal with every day. And, Type one's manageable, and I've learned that from the past, yeah. However many years, it's manageable. It sucks. It's a disease, but you know what? 
I think the more that you give them the power and the, the confidence in it, and you know what, and just to let them, my little boy has a therapist that they talk to every week and just letting them voice their anxiety and their frustrations and their, their worries helps a lot Hmm. because it's true. I mean, it's scary and it's, it all of a sudden takes over your whole world and it brings out anxiety in in kids a lot. And no, no, I agree. I I I sit there and I'm like, what the heck's going to happen? And when they turn teenagers, that, that worries me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's that other person's point too, is that not, maybe it isn't even so much like, I don't want to put somebody else through this, but I don't know if I have it in me to basically do it again, you Mm -hmm. you know, like, and watch, you know, it was hard enough doing it. Now I'm going to watch somebody do it. Um, I I just think that some people, they don't want that. They can't handle it. And, you know, I think good for them to, for realizing what they can and can't handle too. Oh yeah. If you know it a hundred percent, like it's a, it's a lot. Well, Jen, listen, I'll tell you what I figured out here in the first uh, bit of this conversation is that of the people from Utah who come on the show, of which if you listen, you know, there are many, you're clearly not Mormon because you've cursed about a million times since we've been. <laughs> and I've actually toned it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I know that um, from talking to you privately. This easily could have devolved into just me saying F- and you saying other things like that. And it oh, just going, totally. Yeah, the whole time. Very, very, very easily could have gone that way. Um, but yeah. Wow. Uh, geez. Uh, yeah, born and raised in Utah and never, I was never, never LDS. And I attended a high school that I was the only non-Mormon high school in, or no, a non-Mormon person in, in that, high school. In that was, school? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Pretty interesting. Yeah. So um, I, I, I wonder if you wouldn't tell me a little bit about, you know, you talked about your husband's reaction to the, the dense diagnosis um, how did it, how did it hit him? The type one a year later, was it just, were we just numb by them? We were just like, was waiting for something like this or, you know, how do you feel then? Um, I, it hit him hard too. It was on May 9th when we were diagnosed and his birthday was on the 11th. And, um, so we were still in the hospital for that. And I remember driving to the hospital and I was just in this daze and he was sitting next to me and I, took his hand and I said, you know what? We have to be so strong right now. And I already knew that we were struggling <laughs> from the previous diagnosis. Because yeah. um, we were both mentally trying to figure it out and to come to terms with it. And I said, this is not something that we can't have amazing communication with. Like, this is going to bring us to a whole other level. And he just sat there just looking ahead and he's like, okay, okay. You know, I mean, he, he was just, you could tell he was just shocked, Mm. just scared. And he didn't know what to think. I don't think he knew like the, he didn't know the extent of what it was going to be. And then they had, and then he dropped us off at the hospital and we stayed the night and I stayed with him and he went home with my little boy. And of course, just sat and thought about it and was like, and researched it. And then it kind of hit him and he's like, Oh my God, like this is non-reversible. This is never going to go away. And it's 24 seven all the time. You don't get a break from it. And it hit him hard. Yeah. Well, 
You got that all right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, listen, I mean, you know, you can try to be upbeat about it and say that this is, you know, these are the cards you have and you need to play them, you know, or whatever metaphor makes you comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that. And I, I definitely operate that way. Um, it doesn't stop me from wondering if there isn't a barrier that if we push past, I, my brain just wouldn't go, Bleh, and you know, I, that would be enough for me. be too much. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, until then, I just, you just keep doing the things you need to do, the things you're supposed to do and the things that work and have the, the foresight to look and see the things that aren't working. Um, you know, look at you, you may have really saved your son by, by balking at that, that medication. Mm -hmm. You know, you never know the doctor could have put him on something that would have just burned his kidneys out in, Mm -hmm. in a year. And you would have, and you would have had to look back and think I gave him that pill every day. Like I did, like I literally facilitated that. Somebody else told me to do it, but I, I handed it to him. And totally, yeah. yeah. I think about that a lot with, you know, even just thyroid medication, you know, when you're trying to mess around with levels to find where it is and, you know, doctors are like, well, try a little more, try a little less and they get hyper and then they get, you know, you, they bring it back a little bit and you're just like, wow, that just happened. Now look at her struggling. And I, every day said to her, like, take this, take this, take this. Yep. And I'm doing it on the advice of someone else, but like, and I, the st- trust I still of did someone it. Else, yeah. yeah. But it just, but it's that gut feeling of a parent and you have it too. I was going to say the mother's intuition, but those dads, you know, that are with their kids all the time, you, you have those gut feelings and you know, when something's not right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I find myself thinking about every day that I don't figure something out for her. I feel like I wasted a day of her life. Yep. And, um, you know, it's probably why I figured this all out for insulin and, and put this all together. And then I, I felt so burdened by it. I thought, well, how do I not tell someone else? Like other people feel like this, you, you, you know, so oh, yeah. I'll put it out into the world and, and, and let other people take from it if they will. Hopefully people will find me quirky and hang on to the podcast and learn something um, yeah. like, like you did. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but just all the other things, I don't know. I just wonder like yesterday, if Arden didn't feel well, like what would she have done if she felt better? And, you know, and how many other days are going to get pissed away until I can figure out what to do for her or come up with the idea that there is nothing to do for her and at least be able to feel like you exhausted every option and sadly you just don't have an option. Um, but but at least I, I won't wonder. You know what I mean? Like finding out like you can't impact it mm-hmm. would be better than spending every day thinking there was a way to impact it and you weren't figuring out what it was. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but, uh, 100%. I mean, that's exactly where I'm at right here with this research that we're doing. Yeah. I either could have just sat back and said, all right, here we go. There's nothing, there's no treatments. You just kind of wait. You have no option because there's nobody that knows anything about it or you freaking try to figure it out. And if, if it, turns out that nothing can be done. You know what? At least I tried. And at least I put a really, really, really good valiant effort into it. Right. And it's the same with you, Scott. But I also think that you can sit there and I've learned this over the last three years of chaos um, that 
you can sit there and beat yourself up every day, even though you're not really beating yourself up, but you can think those thoughts and say, what if, and why, and this and that. And trust me, I do every single day, but I also listen to your podcast and I think, good Lord, this girl is getting so many amazing tools for her life that she is going to be so well taken care of. And no matter what it throws at her, look what you've done. Well, that's very nice. I, um, thank you. I, I try to believe that whether Arden is even aware of what the podcast does or not, that like her life led to other people doing better. Like I, I, I take some solace in the fact that your son is healthier today because my yeah. daughter has diabetes and absolutely. I, you know, and I look thing. at what you post and her graphs and they're beautiful and how your high is what? One twenty. We, we try to react at one twenty and um, you know, and stop spikes. I, I consider a, a pretty major spike 180. That's definitely how my mindset is around it. Okay. So, and yeah. see, and you've worn off on me like that too. When I see him starting to climb done, I deal with it. And it's because of her and it's because of hearing how her A1Cs are and that she's basically, she's living in a non-diabetic A1C range. Yeah. And so think of what you're doing for her life in the diabetes realm, right? So you're taking all of those complications that she could be getting from this later and you're just, you're taking them away because of what you're doing for her and teaching her. That's huge, Scott. No, I hope so. Yeah, it's I, huge. And so the, the things that she's, she's a strong, strong girl. And so for her to be able to overcome whatever's coming up and, and going to be, I hope that we're, you guys are able to find answers for it. She's going to be okay. And she's going to take it. And she's going to be like, you know what, this probably doesn't compare to what type one is. <laughs> That's my goal. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like, uh, <laughs> um, and, and I do, by the way, a lot of what you said, I, I firmly believe in she is um, mentally tough mm-hmm. and not in a way where she's ignoring knowing what's happening to her. Um, and she is, uh, she's got a great, uh, I don't know. Um, there's a vibe about her. That's, that's very positive. Even like, you know, right now while we're, um, you know, going through all this, you know, yeah. and trying to figure out something new and she's struggling, she still has a, a very good sense of humor about it. Um, she says funny things like, Hey, tell me the truth. Did you just make me for spare parts for coal and then just didn't need the parts and now I'm just rotting away? Like she's like, What's no. happening to me exactly? And I'm like, No, 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 you know. Or she'll she'll, you know, she just I don't know, she just I know she's frustrated and she obviously should be. Uh yeah. but it, it the frustration doesn't get internalized, it doesn't turn into, you know, she's not drinking and getting high and like, you know, like, you know, doing she's just she's doing the things she needs to do and and being patient and I think a little hopeful. And, you know, I, I told her last night, I said, look, I know we're not getting through this very quickly. Um, but I, I want you to know, like I'm every day, mom and I are trying to figure it out. Like we're not, you know, we're not slowing down. We're not stopping. Um, it is tough because you kind of want to just throw all your responsibilities away and just dive into this thing until you can figure it out. But sometimes I think you have to, you have to make your way through it. You have to meet a doctor, who looks at something and then says, ah, you know what? You got to go talk to this person instead. 
And, you know, like there's a process there. Like everybody in the world doesn't have all the answers. And there are mm-hmm. plenty of people who are, you know, endocrinologists that don't understand diabetes, just like there are plenty of people who are other kinds of doctors who don't really completely understand enough to help a person all yep. the time, you know? Yep. So you gotta, you gotta keep swinging until, and make connections until you meet people who, um, you know, like are are the right people. It's a very random thing and it's not fair, but. It uh, is. And another thing I have to say about it that I've learned is don't feel that you have to take the medical care that's around you. So like, like you said, making connections and finding people that are having similar situations and whatever, and then looking outside of that. And like I said, I, I have doctors at Rochester in Mayo, Mayo in, in Rochester, Minnesota. I have doctors in, uh, North Carolina and, you know, these specialists that help provide things that aren't anywhere near Salt Lake that the doctors that I go to don't even know about these doctors. Yeah. And so it's, it's finding the people that it's finding them and being, they're out there and being hopeful that it exists too. And by the way, some people don't even have the, you know, they don't have the money or the, or the connections to do things like that. And, but I think that one thing that I find to be important is that when you eventually end up online looking for answers or support, you have to remember that there are always going to be people who have for probably sometimes very good reasons given up Mm -hmm. and they're just in a management scenario. And that might not be the right word exactly, but just like, I'm just going to get by, like, tell me what I have to do to get by with this. And when you see a lot of those people collected in one place, you have to be careful that you don't expect that that's just, you don't start thinking that's the expectation. This is what's going to happen. Like I'm going to end up here too, because there are plenty of people who won't end up there if they keep looking for other avenues. And and I think that's important not to get sucked into other people's misery. And and that isn't to, that isn't to, to minimize their misery. But if their pathway didn't lead them to a doctor in North Carolina when they lived in Utah or Mm -hmm. that pathway didn't lead them to a podcast that taught them how to pre-bolus or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, you could end up thinking that their reality is the ultimate, you know, this is what's going to happen. And that can very often not be the case. It's just very easy to get sucked into other people's misfortune. And um, a lot of times support can turn into... Um, there's a word I'm looking for that I can't think of. It's, um, I, I guess misery loves company. Uh, there should be a word around that somewhere, but at some point when you feel like you've reached the end and there's no answer and you meet somebody else who does too, that then becomes your bit of hope. But if you're not mm-hmm. to that part yet, it could suck you in like a black hole before you have all your chances to try. So I just, I'm trying to say to people like, don't give up. And there are a lot of answers for a a ton of the things that you're going through. Not everybody. Follow your gut feelings, follow those instincts. Like if you think something's wrong, follow it. And because you know, you know best. And, and hopelessness can be depression too. Yeah. If you really start feeling hopeless it's not because there's no hope a lot of times. I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. Some people have no hope. I'm not saying that. But, you know, for a lot of people, hopelessness is just is sadness. And um, it just doesn't mean there's no hope. That's all. Right. There's And even for the people that don't have hope, I think that they, they do. They just need to find where it is. It, there's something there, you well, know? Yeah. In a very minimal way, talking about diabetes that's part of the reason why I think sharing your success is nice because 
a person who feels hopeless can see a, a you know a, a more stable graph and mm-hmm. think well, that's not possible and they can be mad or they could see it and think huh maybe there's something i don't know that that person knows i want to find out what that is y- y- yeah. you know like like let me i i think other people's success should feel hopeful not accusatory not like oh right. look you're not good at it and i am that's that shouldn't be the case i think you should look and think oh that guy's got to know something I don't know. I want to find out what it is, you know? Yeah. And it kept, it kept driving me because I kept hearing people that you had on the podcast that would listen to you for a couple of months and they'd be like, I got it, you know, like it's beauty. And I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) Why can I not get this? Right. And. Well, it turns out your brains were scrambled. (laughs) It was, it was too much. Like my brain, it was, my brain was just not, it was not functioning. It was in, it was in survival mode. And. Now that it's not, and I mean, it's, it's awesome. Like for real, there's days, I love those days. Like that you talk about the days that you don't even really mention the word and, and Arden doesn't really think about it. You know, granted, does she think about it when you have those days? I don't know. We're at least not talking about it. It's not a subject of conversation. It's not eating up minutes and seconds and hours of days. So, um, I mean, I'm sure it's in the back of your head. Like I said, like that, there's, you know, a buzzing sound or a light that won't turn off when you want to go to mm-hmm. sleep, but it's not overwhelming and it's not the first thing at the front of your head. And I think is she going back to school? No, no. She's going to do it from home again for another semester. Yeah. And my son just is be- as well. Just because she likes it or is it because she of the had whole- the option Uh huh. and I think she liked it better. Honestly. Did she? Yeah. So it, as long as the option existed, I'm thinking she's like, oh, I'll do this. Yeah. Um, plus it gives us a good chance to, you know, work through everything else that's happening because there are times where she's, she's very tired and, Interesting. you know, and so she can at least get up and make it downstairs and do her schoolwork. She doesn't have to get up and take a shower and get dressed and do a whole thing. Totally. To so it buys us a little more time to, to kind of figure out what's up. Are you guys, um, do you think you're close to, to maybe figuring something out? Do you feel that way? Well, we were, it's a, you know, it's a process of elimination. I think mm-hmm. it ends up being so I, you know, we're, we have actually an appointment in a couple of hours to talk with the doctor about her last blood work. Um, and I think we're going to get her, her thyroid medication definitely settled into where it belongs. And then I'm not sure she might offer up one more suggestion here. And then if that doesn't clear uh, the muscle pain and the, the kind of the, the soreness, mm-hmm. then I, I, I imagine we'll move on to, I mean, I'm guessing a rheumatologist next mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and try to pick through that. I mean, it's not, you have to understand that it's not so terrible that she she's not curled up in a ball. Do you right. know what I mean? Like um, it's, it's just, it's muscle tension, um, painful joints, sometimes not always. Um, and then, you know, more painful sometimes than others, I should say. And she'll sometimes say, like, it feels like her bones are bruised. It's, mm. it's the way she describes it. Um, so, you know, we'll we'll follow that path and see where that takes us next. Yeah, it's hard to see your children in pain. It certainly is. Um, it's yeah. definitely not something I would recommend. Uh, no. Yeah. But it makes, it makes you as a parent stronger. And it makes you and your child's relationship stronger, too, in a weird way not okay way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear what you're saying. As long as it doesn't kill me, uh, I guess I'll be all right. 
Yeah. And as long as it, as long as it doesn't take you to where you can only handle, like it's true, your brain and your body as a human can only handle so much stress and until it will just be like, you know, I'm done. Yeah, it, you know what I mean? <laughs> it shuts off. So you don't make yourself completely insane. Um, yeah. 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 Well, and then hopefully you can come back from it. All right. Well, I feel like this was uplifting. And at the same time, I can't be certain. <laughs> right. It's, it's life, yeah. Scott. It's life. Yeah, it's the way good. it hands it to you. And it's the way that you, you're going to take it and look at it and tackle it. Mm. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let these two things bring my kids down. They're going to live an amazing life and become amazing men with amazing families and live to be grandpas. You know, that's, that's what we're going to do. Yep. And they're going to take life and they're just going to be like, okay, let's do it. I'm just, strong. I'm a badass little boy and I'm going to become a badass man and I'm going to conquer it. I always think of it this way. I think we're going to figure it out. And I, I genuinely believe we're going to, but if we don't, whatever it, whatever it is, um, I guarantee you that my last breath I'll be swinging. Like I'm not, I am not giving up until the very, like, you're going to have to take me out of this for me to give up. Um, yep. you know, so I'm, I am definitely going down swinging. That's for sure. Yep. Arden's got a good team on her side and you will, you won't, you won't let things go. You're going to figure it out for her and she's going to be better and she's already better in the long run and she's going to be set up for a beautiful life. Well, I hope to, um, I hope to to be able to report back those sorts of things. And, you know, one positive thing from all this is that the endocrinologist that we found that's helping her with the thyroid stuff, even if the thyroid stuff doesn't end up being the entirety of the issue, I'm going to get her on the podcast. And she's going to talk about thyroid in a way that most people don't get to hear about. That's going to be really valuable for you. And yeah. if this wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have met her. I wouldn't have been able to bring her on the show eventually. And, you know, she has to, we have to wait, obviously, until she's done treating Arden. But, um, but after that happens, you know, we've met another person and we can spread good information to, uh, to more people. So, yep. Because thyroid disease is a whole other ball game that is very, very deep. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. That's for certain. All right, Jen, thank you very much for doing this. Um, I'm so happy that you're in a better space. Um, you know, it's been really cool to get to know you over these couple of years and then to bring it together with this episode. I've liked this so much. I'm putting this out very soon, just so you know. Oh, thanks Scott. And I, I have to say that the way that we treat our son in his diabetes is a lot, not a lot. I would say 98% of what I've learned from you, not our endocrinologist, because as you say, they, they keep them alive. Right. And they don't care if they're sitting pretty at a 200. And so I have to, give everything that we're doing to your advice. And I take that to honest to God, the deepest parts of my heart for mm-hmm. thank yous, because it's, it's pretty amazing what you're doing. I feel like you're trying to make me cry, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Like you, the, the impact that you're doing for people all across the world is a big deal. And I can't, my husband and I, and my family can't thank you enough. So it is, thank you so much. It is very much my pleasure. I, I, I mean that if it's helping people, it's helping me yeah. just, just so you know, you know, every day I can't fix everything in my life or for my kids. Um, and I hear about somebody like you or people listening or having more success makes everything feel better, you know? Yeah. So you're making a difference. And you know, when you die, <laughs> my grandpa always my said this, my grandpa always <laughs> said this, when you die, you want to know that 
you know, it doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what you have next to you as, as far as material things or how much money you have in the bank. It's what you've done in order to make a difference in people's lives. No. And you will literally, I, I look at you and I say, you know, you're the type of man and your family is the type of family that is able to, to carry that and to show the impact that you've made on so many people's lives. This is very kind of you to say thank you. I thought you were just going to say you're going to come to my funeral, but never mind. I just want one person to show up at the end and be like, hey, because you know the people I grew up with are going to be like, that guy's a head. Like, what are we talking about right now? Why are people sad? And I need like, I need Utah Jen to stand up and be like, no, listen, oh, let me tell you a story hell, here for there. a second. I just need one of you. Y'all don't have to come. Just one of you, please. I'll be there. How's that? Well, don't just, make it anytime soon. No, no, I'm just saying, you know, some of those kids I went to high school with, they know me like 30 years ago. They'll be like, wait, the guy who made the dumb jokes, that's the guy, you know? And I'm like, no, no, Little do they know while they're working their nine to five, you're changing lives. Well, you got to thank this microphone and technology, by the way, because seriously, I would be yelling out a window if it wasn't for the internet and and how some of this stuff has become um, so available for people to talk to each other. It really it's is. It's amazing. Uh, I yeah. have re- recommended your podcast. I don't, I can't even tell you to how many people. Thank you. I really From me working it. in the hospital and working with newly diagnosed type one diabetics. I'm like, you've got to live this. The first thing I write down on their discharge paperwork. Oh, that's so cool. I really mean it. And, well, and it's nice of you that you're going to go, um, into the community and like it made me feel like recent when you said like i'm gonna go work at this place i thought oh wow like something i said might come out of jen's mouth one day and help somebody else Uh, like that are you kidding me in the interview that i had i said i don't think of diabetes as a typical person who thinks of diabetes and i used your words i said i you have to be bold with insulin and you can't be afraid of it and they don't even diagnose in or they don't even prescribe insulin to their patients because they don't have the uh the um, employees and the medical professionals to follow up on it to see how it's working for them. So it's all oral meds or like Atlantis. They don't do fast acting because of that. And I said, well, we're going to, we're going to change lives. And literally it's because of the way that you're helping me think about it. Jen, I know you're in Utah, but you're not allowed to keep wolves in the house. That's illegal. Just so you know. (laughs) That's my dog. Basil's a French bulldog, right? He's a mix, but yeah, he's got a lot of French in him. Okay. I have yeah. a French and an English. So nice. that was my English. Well, you know what? I'm going to let you go. But as you're talking about sharing and telling people about the podcast, it made me pull this up to look. And a second ago, we were 370 downloads away from 2 million. And I refreshed it just now. And now we're 320 downloads away from 2 million. So I really appreciate when people share the show, because if this can help anybody else, I just don't have the, like, that's the one thing I can't do, you know, is I can't go find people. Well, I'm telling you this, you're going to be a it's going to be the first thing I'm telling you on this, on this paperwork I give to patients and teach them. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I really do. Yep. Well, I appreciate you. All right. Have a great day. Okay, Scott. Take care. Yep. Well, for someone who doesn't live anywhere near the ocean, Jen sure can curse like a sailor, can't she? Thanks so much to Jen for coming on the show and telling the story of both of her sons and her life being the caregiver of children, you know, with issues that are, uh, are daily. I really thought this was terrific. I, I really just did. Um, who else? Oh, Dexcom. Thanks to you, Dexcom, makers of the G6 continuous glucose monitor. Please go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box to find out more. 
And if you want a no-obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump sent right to your home, myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. And if you want to do the podcast a favor, go into those show notes and click on my link. Can you do that? And click, 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 or type it in the way I said it exactly, myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. And then dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Let the sponsors know you came from me. And that way, they'll keep being sponsors, and you'll keep getting a free podcast. Don't forget, the giveaway lasts the entire month of August 2020. So go to juiceboxpodcast.com. At the top of the page, you can click on the link that says 2 millionth. And when you get there, it's easy to enter. There's nothing to do to enter. As a matter of fact, you can enter once a day, every day in August of 2020. What can you win? A Juicebox Podcast sweatshirt, some Omnipod t-shirts, Lily's Chocolate Gift Pack, a 30-minute consultation with Jenny Smith CDE, a bunch of Dexcom swag, some touched-by-type-one goodness, and anything else I can find to throw in here. And I think I'm trying to get you a meter from Contour. I'm working on that. I'm not sure if that's like a thing you're allowed to give away or not, but I'm going to find out. That's me. I'm out there swinging for you, okay? Check it out. Thank you for helping me celebrate the 2 millionth download of the podcast, which actually happened yesterday during that doctor's appointment that I mentioned for Arden's um, uh, telehealth thing that you kind of heard in the in the episode. I know this is crazy that there's an episode coming out the week it's recorded. It's probably frying your mind. But while we were on that call with the doctor when we got off, I refreshed my screen and we jumped right past two million. So I missed it. I was going to take a screen grab. I was a little excited. I don't know what I would do with the screen grab then once I had it. I'd be like, oh, look, I have a screen grab of the numbers to comma, couple zeros, comma, more zeros. Not sure what I would have done with that. Nevertheless, enter the giveaway. Get the swag if you're looking for it. Check out, you know, maybe a win Jenny too. Uh, it'd be goodness for you. You know what I mean? Just help me celebrate the two million. I really appreciate every time you share the show with someone else. It grows the way it does completely because of you. And, you know, I've never done this before, but if I hit refresh now, so I checked how many downloads the podcast had like 15 minutes ago. Ooh, it has 123 more downloads than it did 15 minutes ago. Isn't that cool? It is very exciting. Uh, that's you guys. That's you finding the show, thinking it's great, telling somebody else about it. That's you leaving great reviews on Apple Podcasts so that when people get on there, they can say, hey, I think this is a podcast I should check out. So whatever you can do to help spread the word, thank you. I hope the giveaway is in some way, um, uh, you know, an actual thank you. But, I mean, only one of you is going to win it. So, I mean, for the rest of you, just know that I wanted to send it to everyone. I just, I mean, what am I going to do? If you tell somebody new about the show constantly and you've already left a great review and you're still thinking, like, how can I help the podcast? Start picking up random strangers' iPhones, opening the podcast app, and subscribing to the show. That's one idea. Thank you so much for listening to the Juice Box Podcast. Tell a friend. Hit subscribe. Are you not subscribing? Subscribe in your app. Do it now. Get in there. Push the button. Push it. Push it. I'm being serious for a second. If you're the person who listens to the end of an hour and a half long podcast episode and you're not subscribed in an app, you're killing me. Do you understand? You're, it's, it's as if you're standing on my chest and jumping up and down on my heart. I just, I, you I would just... It would break my heart to know that you are not subscribed in an app. I'm thinking about it now. 
Yeah, it's making me nauseous. You have to subscribe. I mean, you love the show. You got to subscribe. You don't love it. Don't subscribe. I hear what you're saying. But if you love it, I mean, it's an hour and a half in. I'm babbling away at this point. Push subscribe. Do you know if all of you who are just listening like, oh, I'll just download it once in a while, or I'll listen on the web. If you all just hit subscribe right now on a podcast app, boom, we'd blow up like crazy on Apple Podcasts. Jump right to the top. I mean, we're like around number 20 in our uh I'm now saying us like there's someone else. It's just me. Just so you know, I'm like the entire podcast. But, um, but, but the point is, is we, we, I think I mean me and the podcast. I, why don't we just say the podcast? The podcast would jump up to the top of its, oh, how exciting would that be? If it jumped right up to the top of its little thing there where it's put in with other podcasts that are in the health and fitness category and medicine. And mm, I'll tell you what, here's something I should do since I'm babbling on. Like a lunatic, let me tell you something here. Let me throw some thank yous around. Here is a list of charts that we are currently charting on. Again, I said we. Makes me feel strange. I I meant the podcast. Here we go. You ready? Thank you, United States of America for consistently putting me in the top 25 in my category. Thank you to Great Britain for having me in the top 150. Canada. Seriously? Top 15? Way to be. Australia? You're falling behind Canada here. I'm 117 over there. Germany? 214. I appreciate it. Sweden? I don't know. Like uh, It seems to be dropping in Sweden. You Swedish people need to download some more episodes. Number 50 in Russia, number 194 in Norway, number 29, excuse me, number 29 in Norway, actually getting in the, in the parent, the, I see, we're 194 in the parental category, number 29 in the subcategory in Norway. Yo, what's up, Norway? Are you getting a shout for that, baby? Ireland, number 60, thank you. Denmark, number 72, thank you. The Netherlands, 133. Ooh, ooh, Netherlands is another one of those um, parent things in the parent category were 133 in the medicine category number four yo what's up netherlands new zealand i just felt 10 in new zealand at number 37 don't love that new zealand get on it download some episodes switzerland number 90 austria 69 south africa belgium singapore israel finland united arab emirates egypt and Qatar. I know Cutter, you're like, damn, did he say that right? Even though you put a Q at the beginning of your name, I said Cutter the way I was supposed to. Thank you so much, all of you, all over the world, for listening and for sharing. Do it more. More sharing, more listening, more subscribing. There can't possibly be anyone left listening at this point. I'm I'm now 100% sure I'm talking to myself. Hey, so it is 90 minutes since I recorded that last sentence and I got motivated to do something that non-U.S. listeners have been asking for for a long time, which is to make an easy conversion chart. So when I say something like Arden's blood sugar was 120, you don't have to go, I don't know what that means. You can just look at the chart and see that means 6.7. Anyway, juiceboxpodcast.com forward slash conversion. And I'm looking into putting a calculator on there as well. But for now, it's just the chart, juiceboxpodcast.com forward slash conversion. I'm really sorry to everyone overseas that it took me so long to do this. I have heard your just countless, countless times that you've asked, and I just haven't had time until 
right now. I was thanking everybody from overseas, and I'm like, you know what? What am I doing here? I got to make this chart. I hope you like it. I'll talk to you next time.